Hey, everybody, it's Scott Bischoff coming to you for Detroit Lions podcast. Um, this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, it's generally this. Uh, it's something that is always a good thing to do is to reflect upon the things that you could be wrong about. Um, yes, I understand this video could be very, very long. Um, yeah. So um, before we get into, you know, all of this stuff, uh, subscribe to the channel, wherever it is that you're hearing this or seeing this. Also, like and comment. Um, that helps us do the things that we're doing. So um, this this spawns from uh, from uh, waking up a couple nights ago <laughs> way too early um, and literally sitting. This is how this is the sadness uh, and just the amazingly. Um, uh, it's just unbelievable how the existence of this guy and and how this could be a thing. But, uh, you know, three thirty in the morning, I wake up a couple nights ago thinking about, wow, I could be wrong on this player. <laughs> and yeah, so um, that's that's kind of like what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about players that I could easily be wrong on uh, and why. Um, so stay where you stay where you're at. Uh, coming to you right after the break. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Okay, so um, I mentioned that this could be a very, very long video. Um about things that I'm wrong on. Everybody, everybody has, uh, you know, things that they tend to be wrong on. Um, let's just get a few of the important ones out of the way. Tool is the best band that there that's ever been. I don't know that I could be talked off of that. I don't. But I mean, we could talk about it. I just don't know. Really, uh, I'm pretty entrenched in that one. But like. You know, um, tend to be a uh, a thin crust pizza guy. I'm a pizza guy. You can see it, um, but thin crust more so than 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 anything else. But that is absolutely a conversation we could have. Uh, hopefully, over multiple kinds of pizza, that'd be kind of cool. Um, I am convinced that my wife spends her days hiding things from me. Convinced. I don't know how that's another one. I'm not sure I could be talked off of that, but you know, I mean, it's a thing. Like I can't tell you how many times I call her to ask her where something is. And it's like, yeah, look in your left hand, jackass kind of thing. Um, yeah. So um we're supposed to be talking about football. I'm wasting time talking about nonsense. Uh, I guess that's the, that's the, uh, we've, we're used to that, right? Okay. So things that I could be wrong on, um, a lot of this is going to be quarterback driven, but you know, we'll get to, uh, we'll get to this and I'm going to try to make this as short as possible while also just wasting three minutes of your life talking about what I just talked about. Okay. Quarterbacks. I think, I think at this point, Bryce Young is the first pick. And I feel pretty comfortable there. Um, generally speaking, if I'm wrong, a lot of people are wrong. Now, I think that that should be kind of locked up at this point. We're less than we're less than seven days from the draft. So 
Um, but then it goes, then it's haywire and it's like, okay, um, I'm not, we'll talk about the teams in a second, but like, like the stuff with Will Levis, um, I think there's any range of possibilities for him to go potentially at two, which is, um, so that's, this is kind of where, where I'm at with this is like, how can I be wrong on love? I don't think Levis belongs in that, in that range, but I could eat, I mean, I could easily see the Texans pulling, uh, you know, pulling a smoke screen and picking Levis at two. And he was our guy all along and all this stuff. Um, I just, you know, it's one of those things where I just don't, I don't value him and and his game as much as as I value the others in uh, the uh, other two in this class. Um, I understand the Stroud stuff. Uh, it just seems like there's a lot of negative stuff about Stroud right now. Um, but again, you know, when draft day comes, you know, if Bryce Young goes one. And, you know, the Texans are on the board. My brain is what I'm, you know, and what's informing the way I think about this is that CJ Stroud's not going to Houston simply because of the, you know, some of the off the field. It's not off the field stuff. It's just his agent is David Mulugeta. Um, I don't think the Texans would want to put their toes back in that pool again. Um, you're hearing all this of uh, the S2 cognition test and all this stuff. Um, you know, some of these, some of the stuff that you're hearing about Stroud makes it sound like he's going to tumble a little bit, but you know, um, and that's kind of what I've thought all along is I, I think there's a, if he doesn't go at one, he could, he could have a little bit of a fall, but I could easily be wrong on that. Um, Anthony Richardson is a player. I have, I have, I have appreciated his game grown to love his game, um, too much. And, um, it would very much surprise me if he falls, you know, say out of the top 10 range. Um, but again, this is why we're talking about this because, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, I, I would think that he should be in contention to be pick one. Um, and that he maybe shouldn't fall past say pick three for a team to come up for him just because of his upside as a player. But do I do I know that for sure that that teams feel no I don't I don't know that for sure and then and then it, that gets into the conversation about you know what happens at two um, guides what happens at three and maybe you know I mean we're we're starting to hear a little bit of it's Bryce Young at one and a lot of questions about other players. Um, is there a trade up market for, for some of these quarterbacks to come to two or three or, uh, you know, um, what's Indy going to do it for? I don't know. So, um, we need to talk about bias and understanding it, um, and having it and trying to, trying to remove it from the process of what you're looking at. So, so that doesn't cloud and color your judgment, on everything else that you see. So for example, if the first thing you see from Anthony Richardson is a video of him, you know, avoiding pressure, climbing the pocket and dropping a dime into coverage. Um, and you're not super uh, particular about the way you look at things, not even saying, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, 
that can cloud your decision making as far as the rest of what you see. If the first thing you see is him busting off a, you know, a 65 yard dime uh, against LSU or the long run against Tennessee, you have to then, you know, compose yourself for, for what the rest of what you see and, and make sure that when you're seeing stuff that's maybe negative or where there's some issues that you, that you see that just as clearly as you see the positive. So, uh, bias and understanding, all that stuff happens, you know, at every position. Um, it's just important to recognize it. So I think with Richardson, it's, uh, you see the pop plays and the splash plays and there's there, you know, you think that happens all, you know, all the time and it happens with all these quarterbacks, but it's like, you know, we just have to recognize it. So the quarterback position is going to be one of those things where, you know, uh, on draft night, it's going to be really interesting to see how the teams in the, in say the top 10 range, um, handle the quarterbacks and, you know, uh, the quarterbacks are tied with the offensive line. So it's, uh, so for, for a while now, I have thought that there would be three offensive linemen going in the top nine, um, possibly 10. And I think that's Peter Skaronsky, who you could make an argument should go in the top five. Um, Paris Johnson Jr. and Darnell Wright. Those are the guys I think that are in that, in, in that top 10 range. Skaronsky to me makes sense just because he is a, a safe player with the, with a known, I think that this is a guy who can play as a tackle for you. Also play at a high level as a guard for you. And in this class, you know, there's not a, it's just, it's an interesting class, but, but there's a lot, of, there's not a ton of knowns. Like is Paris Johnson Jr. A left tackle only um, who may not be able to play inside. Yeah, that's a possibility. Um, is Darnell, is Darnell Wright a, I slipped there. We're going to get to him. Um, if Dar is Darnell Wright, a right tackle who could play right guard at a very high level, um, is that, is that, I mean, that's the way I view it. But um, so that, that kind of colors the the thought process as far as how these guys go. But everything you hear is Skaronsky is a, is a, is a pretty coveted guy going top five, but um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, he does have short arms and are you, are you really, are you really selecting a player who's likely to be a guard in the top five? I mean, I think you are, if you make a safe pick um, and then you could make the, the argument that some of the teams in the range of say five, six, uh, and then, you know, going on down the line needs need maybe more interior or long-term help at tackle where a player like Skaronsky could fit there play early, play to a high level. It's an interesting thing, but they are tied together. So if, if you have three quarterbacks in the top nine and you have say four, I'm sorry, if you have three offensive linemen in the top nine and four quarterbacks, it almost doesn't make sense what you're saying, right? Like, so that means that uh, a couple defensive linemen, edge players might be the other two. So something's got to give, right? So we're just trying to just trying to recognize um, some of the flaws and thinking about how both those things can't really happen. So is it is it all the linemen getting jammed up uh, into the top ten because because of the relative uh, nature of this draft and how it's safer to draft offensive linemen? Maybe, uh, but if that happens, it's almost likely that the quarterbacks are falling a touch. So. That's kind of where that is. Um, 
Jackson Smith and Jigba, is he is to me he's a player that teams should start thinking about around pick twelve. But is he really going to go that early? Um, is this now that this could be one where I have thought about him? I've overthought him uh, and his skill set too much. Uh, I know he's going to, he should be the first receiver in this class, but this is not a great receiver class. So, uh, and then you look back at like, where would he have gone in last year's draft? You know, there's an argument to be made that, that you could easily be wrong about him going that early in a draft. Um, real quick, let's talk about, um, this is just my thoughts about pass rushers. You can never have enough. Uh, you should always gamble on athletes, always. Period. I mean, that kind of it's kind of like that at almost every position. But with pass rusher, it, there's a premium on athleticism and also interior offensive line. When you look at uh, the interior offensive line, the guys who perform the best in their short shuttle um, and the agilities tend to work out. So you should be gambling on athleticism in both those positions. Get that out of the way. Um, Darnell Washington, I have viewed as in my mind, tight end one, the entire process, just because of the, the unicorn stuff. Right. But, um, and I think he should be a first round pick, but I could easily see me being completely wrong on that. And teams viewing him as limited in a lot of ways, as far as like route running and that kind of stuff. And maybe overthinking how much he helps as a blocker, even though, as I say that, I, I almost I almost want to slap myself for saying what I just said because I I really do think he should be a first round pick. This is the kind of stuff that wakes you up in the middle of the night. Um, Jalen Carter is an interesting. Uh, I don't know what to do there. I mean, I see I see the stuff on on film and all those things. I see how he destructs blocks and I mean he, he just blows stuff up, but like. You hear you're hearing uh, his agent talk about how he's not going to fall out of the top ten. Uh, is pick ten his floor? I think I think pairing him with Jordan Davis would be really interesting if you're Philly. Um, is Philly going to come up to secure him? All these things is that even a real thing? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I could make an argument that on the field. Uh, you should gamble on on what he is as a player, but the off the field stuff is so. Uh, it, I mean, we all know about it. So where is that at this point? Now we're going to get to the two players I think that are most interesting in this thought process, and the, the first is Will Anderson, and and I know it's you know I put out a video of of him and and uh, Darnell Wright, um, maybe I don't know when it was, whatever it was, and. Wright kind of swallows him whole in that matchup. And so I don't care for Anderson's game as much as others do. And it were, and I worry about it. Um, something I fret over because a lot of people talk him up. Like he is a guaranteed rock star pass rusher at the NFL level. And I just don't see it. Um, I'm willing. I, I understand that I, I could easily be wrong on that one. I've given you some evidence with the Darnell Wright matchup, and I do think that this is where bias comes in. When I saw him last year, I think he was more athletic. I think he had more first-step quickness. I think he was probably uh, lighter 
significantly lighter, maybe in the low 230s range um, last year. So I saw some explosion and some all, all that stuff that made you think this guy's going to be, this guy's ridiculous. And I didn't see it this year. But understanding that my bias was expecting to see what I saw last year from him and that I didn't see it this year. So it left me disappointed. Um, so take that for whatever it's worth. Tyree Wilson, I think, and I've talked about him being a, a player who could go as high as pick two. Uh, he has a foot injury. He really hasn't worked out in the process, but when you watch him on film, he's got all the stuff that you would want. He's huge, long arms, big wingspan. He plays with power. He has bend. He can do all those things, but is he really a player who could go as high as pick two? Stuff that's floating in my brain. I don't know. Um, I think he should. Uh, again, and, and we're just talking. So it's like, you know, we're just having a conversation about the things where where you, you might be wrong about some of this stuff. Lucas Van Ness is not a player I, I fully understand. I see the power. I see all of that stuff. He didn't start a game at Iowa. I don't know how he is projected to be a top 10 pick, but this is also a guy who loves Ziggy Ansa coming out of BYU. So take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, yeah. Um, Christian Gonzalez, uh, Gonzalez, I have, I have talked about him being a very passive player. Um, I don't understand the absolute love for what his game is, unless you're telling me he's going to his own team where they can use all that athleticism and let him just come forward and break on things that he sees. Um, and then, yeah, I'd buy it. But to me, he's a guy that you got to get more competitive. And, you know, how do you do that? Um, am I, could I be wrong there? And it could, could he be a very, very early pick? Absolutely. It's possible. Um, the other one is Devin Witherspoon. Um, I've talked openly about thinking that he's limited in some ways athletically and, 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 uh, I wanted to see the shuttles with him, but we didn't get them. Could I be wrong about that? Yes. Um, it's easy to be wrong about those things. Uh, it's important to recognize the possibilities of being wrong about those things. So that's just kind of like where, um, in some ways, you know, some of these players that, that I could see after, like post-draft, like, yeah, I should have been able to, to see through that kind of, and, and it takes a while. Like even players that you may have had an opinion on last year, it's still too early to really know whether you're right or wrong and whether that even matters. You know, um, te- players go to teams and then whether they work, you almost have to detach yourself at that point because, a lot of whether they work or whether they don't work has to do with where they go, what kind of coaching they get, how much do they work, uh, how much do they want to be, you know, um, better football players than they are going into the NFL. Uh, what's the transition for them like? So there's a lot of a lot of out of your out of your control. It sounds like I'm absolving anybody who might have a draft opinion and and be able to then explain it away by just saying, oh, it went to a bad place, whatever. I mean, it does happen. So it's a, it's a thing. Uh, this is generally not something that we know about for quite a while um, on these things. But just some thoughts um, early on a Saturday morning. We're less than a week out from the draft. Just kind of wanting to be upfront and uh, explain, you know, some of the players where, where you could see yourself not necessarily being uh, 100% spot on. But that's okay. You know, it's an opinion business. Um, the, the last thing I'll say about it is it doesn't have to be so serious either. Um it, it just doesn't. I mean, it doesn't need, we're, we're talking about opinions on things. There's no absolutes. Uh, 
all the stuff that we talk about has to has to play itself out in the future. And we have no control over any of it. So um, that's just kind of where it's at. Uh, you know, it's just it was a, it was I laughed at myself by <laughs> waking up the other night thinking about all these things. And I just I just wanted to talk about the players and this kind of stuff. So you guys have a great weekend. We'll uh, we'll chat soon. Let's bring it here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. You've had enough of that shit.